What's going on, guys? My name is David Gibson. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcast dedicated to telling the stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information director profession. Uh, take that as you will, and I hope that you all get something out of this. And if you do, go ahead and go over to iTunes and leave us a, re- a rating as well as a review. It only takes a couple seconds. And you can also, you don't have to do that on iTunes. I mean, if you listen to this podcast uh, anywhere else, such as uh, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, um, what's that? Tune in radio. Um, you can also do it over there. Doesn't matter to me as long as, you know, somebody out there does it at least some point, uh, during their day or during their tenure of listening to this show. So I got a good one for you guys today. Uh, Donnie Smith of Southeastern university will be coming on the pod, uh, today. He is a Indiana guy actually, um, by, uh, the South Bend area, kind of Mishawaka, uh, where, where Notre Dame is, if you're unfamiliar with Indiana geography. Uh, he was around there for a long time, kind of just doing some some uh, play-by-play stuff for local high schools, and then it's a place called the Region Sports Network. Um, the region, I think we'll kind of go for this. If Like, this part of Indiana, kind of the northwest corner, uh, they call it the region right before you get to Chicago. Um I have no idea why. I'm sure that there's a name for it, but at this point in time, I, I truthfully do not know why that's called that. But uh, anyway, he said that um, he was told that Southeastern was going to have an SID job open, uh, and he was uh, doing a softball game up in South Bend, Indiana, which, where you get lake effect snow, and he's like, you know, freezing just doing his play-by-play, and then he realized he's getting a text message from uh, Central Florida where it's, warm and not cold all the time so uh we'll go through his story today including some things um kind of what we sort of discussed with jill a little bit about prepping your athletes for interviews um this one kind of goes for on air as well as the importance of doing play-by-play um and well i would say importance i mean to me it's kind of important i I think you guys can can get a lot out of just doing play-by-play once and maybe you'll you'll come out with an understanding of uh what the media needs and maybe once you do that you'll kind of just see eye to eye with with some certain things so um anyway we'll we'll go through a lot of stuff today i'm pretty excited for this one but uh donnie is also the nai sid of the year so we will detail that uh first but before i let you guys go uh I want you to know that we are over on social media at Sports Infocast over there. And you can always follow us anytime uh, on our website, sidcast.fireside.fm. If you're looking for a specific episode, uh, you'll do backslash and then whatever number episode you're looking for. So today, uh, it would be backslash 54. And then you know, you keep going back and back and back and back. And then you'll just see, um, just try and find whatever episode it is that you're looking for. So, uh, guys, I'm going to let you go right now. I've been kind of rambling off for a little too long. Uh, got a little bit of a, a winter break coming up for me. I'm loading up on episodes right now um, just so that when I get home, I don't necessarily have to do uh, as much recording and worry about aligning schedules with people going home for kind of the holidays. So that's I'm just being a real, real busy time right now. So um, anyway, we'll start off today, episode 54 of SIDcast with Donnie Smith of the Southeastern Fire. With, uh, did he know that he was going to be named SID of the Year in the NAI right here on SIDcast? Not at all, actually. Uh, it was just an incredibly humbling honor uh, when our athletic director and my boss, Drew Watson, called. Uh, I had just seen, uh, being conference SID, uh, I had seen that our commissioner, Mark Pope, was going to be uh, receiving an award from the NAI during its National Awards Day, uh, just doing some prep for that. Uh, so shared that with, with Drew. And then uh, he called me a little bit later on when I was out at football practice uh, covering them, getting ready for their next game. Um, stepped away and he's like, "Hey, congratulations!" I'm like, "For what?" <laughs> and he's like, uh, "You you've been named the NAI SID of the year." I'm like, uh, "No, I'm not." Uh, you know, just just having been in this business a very short time uh, and, and seeing the work of other people in our profession at our level uh, to be held in that same regard uh, as some of the other award winners and the guys that have done in the past, uh, you know, like a Chris Wells at Lindsey Wilson, Rob Heisinga at St. X, uh, 
Brad Saigon over at Missouri Baptist, uh, guys that I look up to in this profession, uh, to see them get that award and to be in that same company uh, was really humbling. Uh, the other thing it was, it was, it was also kind of exciting uh, for my staff. You know, our three guys, uh, first of all, I'm blessed to have three guys, uh, a part-time assistant, two graduate assistants uh, that work extremely hard. And for all three of those guys to be in their first year able to contribute to an award like that, uh, from my standpoint, I didn't win it. Our team won this award. Uh, there's no chance that we have the level of success that we did without all three of those guys. And it was just interesting how in a calendar year uh, that God kind of put this staff together. Uh, you know, our part-time assistant, uh, Andrew, too, had emailed me during COSIDA. I was driving south from, from Dallas afterwards to go to a friend's wedding in Austin. Uh, and he said, hey, do you have any openings or anything like that? I'm from Lakeland. And then at the time, I did not. But the person that we had in our office at the time, just a few hours later, says, you know, I'm moving back to Delaware. I'm not going to be able to work with you anymore. So that was an opportunity for him to step in. Uh, Chris and Topa, another one of our graduate assistants, came to Southeastern uh, to play football, uh, got involved working in game management. So I had worked with him during game days on other experiences, uh, and he kind of took an interest to what we do. So we were able to work him into the mix. Uh, and then Mac LaBeouf, our other graduate assistant, uh, was a four-year baseball player uh, got injured once during his sophomore year and came to me and said look I'm, I'm I just can't be in the dugout right now it's it's tough to just not be able to play can I help you out doing stuff so he jumped in and started doing broadcasts for us and it became an opportunity for him to become a graduate assistant as well uh, so it, it's it's a great great group that I get to work with every day and and that's probably what I enjoy most about where I'm at is is who I get to be around on a daily basis and who I get to, to spend life with and work with. Sounds like you got an all-star staff so um, for those that don't know I mean my, myself I kind of don't know how does that process go about is there like a voting selection type of thing I mean wh how what is the process like to nominate or vote for someone SID of the year? Every conference selects an SID of the year, which is voted on by the SIDs. Other conferences have their ADs and commissioners involved. And then from that group of conference SIDs of the year, there's a separate panel that decides the NAI SID of the year amongst that group. Okay, cool. So I, I just didn't know. Maybe there are some other people that didn't know that. Uh, maybe some young professionals that do listen to the show. But um, let's go back to the bare bones. You're from uh, kind of the northwest Indiana area. What it, was it about IU South Bend that, that led you there? Uh, it was my third different school, actually. Uh, coming out of high school, uh, I went to Purdue Calumet. Um, had the opportunity to move over to South Bend uh, to kind of further my radio and, and publications career that I was in at the time. Uh, so Purdue Calumet's two-hour commute from South Bend was, was no longer an option. Um, so I looked at Purdue Northwest in beautiful Westville, and that was almost an hour commute and uh, basically stepped away from school after one semester there to look for whatever it was that I was looking for as a 20-year-old kid, basically. Yeah. Uh, and then just worked on on being in radio for, for a few years after that. And then uh, Jason Samuel, who's involved with Globe Radio at Goshen College, kind of took me aside and said, uh, if, if you want to aspire to do bigger things than you're doing now, you will not be able to do it without your college degree. Uh, so I kind of kind of put my nose back to it, and my, my parents, my grandparents had, had been on me for quite some time to get back uh, into college, so I did so at IU South Bend and, and finished up there. Uh, that was the closest to, to South Bend, Mishawaka, where I was living at the time and, and was able to finish up there. Uh, what did you, what were you kind of looking for, I mean, as far as what you wanted to do after school? I mean, had you ever heard of being an SID before, or was uh, being a broadcaster just your path from the get-go? Um, working in sports was really all I wanted to do from maybe when I was five, six years old. Uh, that, that was my focus. That was my passion. Uh, at very first, all I wanted to do was be an athletic trainer. I thought that would be a cool gig. You know, I'm watching a football game on Sunday. Those guys are out on the field during the NFL games. They're running out towels and water bottles to the guys in the huddle. 
man, that would be really neat. And then a couple weeks later, I'm watching a football game and a guy's arm is bending somewhere between the wrist and the elbow. That grossed me out. The first guy there is an athletic trainer. And from that point on, it was let's find something else in sports to do. Um, so then the media aspect really, really kind of intrigued me as well. Uh, you know, I'd always watch games with my grandfather on, on Sundays and we always liked listening to John Madden and Pat Summerall. Uh, and I kind of thought that that would be a neat path to take. Uh, so getting into the broadcasting side or the writing side really interested me. So I worked on both of those areas. And then as I started broadcasting college sports, the world of the SID was was introduced to me. Uh, and I got to work with some really, really good ones uh, that made life easy. And then there were some ones that, that didn't really help a lot and were, were kind of kind of tough to work with and that it kind of intrigued me because I kind of thought you know if if I was ever in that position what would I do I I would probably take this from this person this from this person uh, to try and create a really unique shop so that was I think it was sometime around 2006 2007 second year of college when I started first being introduced to this world okay cool um just real quick can you share your uh, broadcasting horror story Broadcasting horror story uh, would be any time, uh, and again, this is mid-2000s, you got to a game site and you plugged in your phone line, uh, which are almost non-existent these days, uh, and you you heard silence. Uh, So I I always wanted to try and make sure I got to games really early, and and until I heard that dial tone, I was always kind of nervous. You know, we we had a game uh, that I was broadcasting coming down to the wire, uh, last second shot to, to beat a top five team for the first time in quite some time. And unfortunately, the, the phone line disconnected right before that shot with two minutes to go. And one of, the, one of the greatest finishes I've ever broadcast, nobody will ever know that I broadcast it because those last two minutes are nowhere near to be found. Perfect, perfect. So um, after you kind of got out of school but you did know about the SID career, you still kind of chose uh, the region radio sports network. And if anybody doesn't know that, that's a really big actually sports network and this little place uh, they call the region up by Chicago and Indiana. Uh, so what kind of was your life like then? I mean, what were those 10 years like just being in radio? And what made you kind of want to get out of it and get into some SID work? Uh, it was a lot of growing up. During that time, you know, I got started when I was 17 years old and, and did that up until you know, age 27, basically. Uh, so the core group of guys that were there, uh, you know, Paul Condry, Dave Miller, Doug Miller, Frank Keel, those guys uh, kind of got to to watch me grow up a little bit from a, uh, a little bit of a, a punk teenager into a, a, a less punk 27-year-old. Um, and they were instrumental too just in the amount of hours that that we worked and and working on either the indiana football digest or friday night football whatever the case may be you know i'm around them just as much as my parents so they were they helped raise me as well so they were kind of second and third fathers uh uncles to me however you want to view that uh they were just instrumental in my professional and personal development uh but I, I saw every kind of assignment from broadcasting high school football, soccer, basketball, baseball, to college basketball, to college softball. I really got to see just about everything. We, we would cover Big Ten football games on Saturday. Uh, no, Notre Dame games were in there. We would do Big Ten football media days and basketball media days. I've uh, been to four NFL combines. So just being in Indiana really opened up a lot of opportunities in that area. Uh, and what was it about kind of Southeastern or maybe the SID media relations career that kind of drew you away from radio? Uh, you know, networking is something that everybody talks about. It's a popular topic at COSIDA. Um, and I think it's also kind of an awkward thing uh, for people who are 25 to, to 35 years old. You know, everybody always talks to you about networking. So you say, okay, well, how do I how do I network or what is my network? And it, it kind of becomes almost a, an unauthentic thing. You know, I know this person just to know them. Uh, but for me, one of my responsibilities at regional radio sports was broadcasting Bethel college softball. And I started doing that in 2010. Uh, well in 2013, Anna Welsh, the head coach of Bethel college takes a job at Southeastern university to start their 
softball program. Um, so we're going along, and she texts me one day uh, during a Bethel game. She would sometimes tune back in to hear how some of her former players and things like that were doing, and right. said, "Hey, uh, just checking in on you. You're doing a great job." Also, you know, if it's something that you're interested in, we're going to be looking for an SID this summer. And, uh, you know, I looked up from my flip phone and saw that, you know, I was broadcasting a softball game in mid-April. It was 42 degrees. It was overcast. (laughs) She's texting me from Central Florida where it's 80 plus degrees. Uh They don't know what snow is. So you know, the, the chance to come and live in Florida, the chance to be an SID, uh, and to still have you know, that NAI familiarity, having broadcast NAI women's basketball, men's basketball, and softball, just knowing what that organization was all about, uh, it, it, it interested me a lot. Again, I, I had some familiarity with what an SID did, um, and had seen some of the good ones. So that was, that was definitely something I wanted to do. So sent in resume and everything. And had just kind of forgotten about it almost to an extent. And then I'm out with some friends one night and email pops in uh, from the athletic director, Drew Watson. And he says, you know, we, we would like to talk to you on a phone interview uh, about our position. So went through the whole process, came down and visited for an in-person interview, offered the job and ended up taking it uh, towards the end of June of 13. Was there any sort of culture shock? Because, I mean... Yeah, I lived kind of in that northern Indiana. You a little bit worse than I, but was there any, I mean, it's cold, and then you moved down to Florida, and I went to Cosida um, last summer, and I hated the heat. So uh, was there any sort of culture shock for you? So my first day on campus when I'm moving down, I loaded up my two-door Chevy Cobalt and pulled into campus at about 5.30 in the afternoon, and the thermometer's reading 96 degrees. Yeah. Uh, that's hot. So I'm staying in, in a dorm room for a couple of days. So I go up there and walk right up to the air conditioner and just start hitting the, the down button. And I'm, whatever number I, I see, I'm, I'm just going to live with because it is hot out. Well, it stops at 70. And I'm like, all right, so how do I override this or how do I get this to, to go down further? <laughs> because 70 is not going to cut it. I'm no. still sweating. And it's only – it's not even 6 o'clock in the evening yet. So – I'm sitting there in this room. I'm like, so do I go get a bag of ice to sleep with? I mean, what do I do? Because it is hot. And I'll be honest with you, almost five years later, I don't know if you ever fully get used to the heat. I think you find better ways to adapt to it or just overall ignore the fact that it is hot um, because it's it, it can be tough to deal with. You know, you guys came down here in, in June for Cosida and got to watch it rain every afternoon uh, and got to walk out in the humidity every afternoon. Um, it's usually not that bad, uh, but we, we do get those afternoon rainstorms during the summer, and uh, the, the heat can become unbearable. But I'll tell you what, as, as soon as the, the calendar hits November, all the way until about the beginning of April, the weather is just ideal. We're, we're usually in the 70s. It's sunny nine times out of 10. So it's it, it became a little bit of an easier adjustment to make at that point when I'm able to go out golfing Thanksgiving weekend and my friends are telling me that it's snowing back home. How about uh, adjustments with your new job? Because, I mean, you were in radio for 10 years, and then all of a sudden you have to move to media relations. I mean, was, what, was there any sort of difficulty, or was it an easy transition, difficult? I mean, what was that like? There were some elements that were easier to pick up than others. Uh, you know, working with a back-end website interface was something I had done a little bit at RRSN. It was just a different way of doing it here. Uh, so just kind of handling some of those things were, were kind of familiar. Uh, I liked volleyball, uh, but I didn't know all that I wish I did about volleyball stats. I think that's kind of everybody's everybody's initiation uh having listened to the last couple episodes usually everybody's got a volleyball stat story yeah um as as do as do i that's you know what you, you see it once you you watch a couple of student workers put together together stats and it's like i can do that and then you jump in and you have absolutely no idea what's going on um <laughs> uh, so that's that's really kind of the badge of honor once you got volleyball stats figure out everything's easy from there Yep, yep. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm th- just thinking here. I mean, we, I've asked this question uh, a couple times actually in the last couple episodes. Maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. Um, 
So you sat down at your desk for the first time. What was the first thing that you did? The first thing I did uh, was meet with Jeff Welsh, who was the head SID before I got there and was Anna Welsh's husband, the softball coach, that kind of made the connection uh, of helping me get down here. Uh, He was moving to the assistant role to be part-time, so that way he could spend more time with his family, and he could also continue to coach softball. So to step into an SID role for the first time and to have somebody who had done it for nine, ten years was a huge, huge help. Um, I was able to make mistakes, uh, which is a great learning experience, but to make mistakes with that safety net of Jeff Welsh there. Uh, so we sat down and talked, and he said, all right, here's – Here's what we're up against. Here's what we're responsible for. Here's the way we've done it in the past, but we can do whatever you want. Um, So just to kind of hash out the year, um, the way that we did things, things that I wanted to change um, with his guidance and advice was huge to help me get to where I needed to be. Uh, From your experiences with the radio, I mean, uh, actually just your life experiences in general, I mean, what skills or maybe what, characteristics that you kind of take away from uh, your profession there and translate it into what you do now? I think the number one skill that you want to have if you're going into this business, and I tell every class that I speak to, any underclassmen that that ask me what it takes to get into your line of work or or others, the number one thing you got to have is writing skills. If if you can't write, you you can't do this job. Even if you want to go to to shortened recaps, to bullet point things, you've got to have some writing skills uh, because there's now, let's face it, we're in the communications business. You've got to be able to communicate, written, orally, whatever the case is. That's the number one thing that I, I can stress that you're going to want to have. That's the number one thing that I look for in graduate assistance, in assistance, whatever the case is. You've got to be able to write. And I was, I was thankful to have writing skills and opportunities to write, whether it had been for a website, whether it was for our yearly football publication, um, other stringer kind of things. Uh, I interned at the South Bend Tribune where I was really able to to work with a great staff there that gave me feedback on, on my writing abilities and, and things to change. Uh, so that would be the number one thing. And I think it's the thing that's probably lacking the most, uh, whether it be people coming out of college looking to get involved in communications or people looking to be a graduate assistant is writing skills. So that's the thing that I like to stress the most. If you've got a good writing background or if you have good writing skills, you've got a chance to go far. And you kind of mentioned it there about the yearly football publication. I know what you're talking about, the Indiana Football Digest. I've read it a few times myself. Um, And you're just basically compiling statistics and compiling – you're basically making like a game day program almost for – every single Indiana high school team. I mean, so what was that experience like, and um, did it help you any uh, with your writing or with what you do now? Absolutely. It's it's a media guide, uh, yeah, and, that's, that's what that, mean, yeah. and that's a big part of what we're doing at the college level. So the task of putting together a media guide when you've done a 740-page high school football magazine – that's not so daunting of a task anymore when you're trying to put a 36-page guide together for a first or second year NAI football program. That's that's not a huge deal anymore. Um, but compiling the content, writing previews on teams, um, writing things about schools that you may not be 100% familiar with. Uh, so going in, doing deep background research, trying to, to put together different things that you can from different sources, I think really helped out. Uh, and again, just getting in and writing uh, those 400-word previews or whatever the case may be. Uh, and it's also fun, you know, in, in the summers I still get to help out with that a little bit um, to write a couple of previews, and, and it keeps me kind of in tune a little bit with, with the motherland and what's going on in high school football there. Yeah. Uh, so how did you guys split up the work with, with that? I'm just curious. Uh, there were probably a half dozen of us that worked on it the majority of the time. And then, you know, Paul Condry's got a network of of contacts all throughout the media in in Indiana. 
that he's able to talk to and, and get help with. Uh, and, and the team of writers that we've had over the years uh, is, is incredible. Matt Copsey, who I got to work with at the South Bend Tribune, and then for a couple years at, at Regional Radio Sports, uh, is a Hall of Famer. Uh, Steve Craw, who's one of the best baseball writers in the state, uh, has helped out. Mark and Ken Bradford are incredible writers. And then guys from the southern part of the state and from Indianapolis that we were able to work on and get with. Uh, and then just getting... Getting the cooperation of the coaches was a big thing. Uh, I think once they saw the product that we had put out over the years, they were more anxious to buy in and were more cooperative. Uh, so that made things a lot easier. And that has to help out with your broadcasting. Uh, let's move on to some, yeah. of, some of that sort of thing because I did broadcasting myself. How important is it to do kind of your research with your team's pronunciation? How important is that? As you, you're shaking your head. You're not in your head right now, and I know the answer here. That was the, the number one lesson and probably the first lesson that I learned during my time at, at Regional Radio Sports. I remember it was a it was a Chesterton Maryville game. I was just gonna just watch this yeah. this crew broadcast. So I sit down, I'm watching them set up, trying to just help out any way I can. So I run back out in the in the hallway and I grab a couple of rosters and I think that's going to be a big help and I hand it to to Mike Knezovich who's doing play by play. It's like, hey Mike, I brought a roster for you and he's like, and Mike's Mike's a superstar professional, uh, ten out of ten kind of guy. He's yeah. like, Bell, thank you, I appreciate that. So the game's going along, and I've got a pair of headphones on listening, and I. I just noticed that Mike's just rattling off names. Basketball is a quick-moving sport, yeah. and he's just rattling off these guys' names. And and I look up from the game, and he's not looking down at anything. He's not looking down at notes. He doesn't have a roster anywhere. So all of a sudden, I went from thinking, you know, I'm some kind of hotshot 17-year-old broadcaster. I'll be able to come in, start calling games, you know, by the second time I'm there. And it was at that point where... I went from just put me on the air, let's go, to don't put a microphone anywhere near me. These, <laughs> these guys are so prepared. These guys have done their research. They know every single guy on the floor. They know their story. They're mentioning that you know Matt Maple's just coming off of a great run with the Chesterton football team. They're mentioning that Jim East is a Hall of Fame coach, but he's without his best player. And I'm like, I don't know any of this stuff. I know that number 32 has the ball at the top of the key. That's the best I can do for you right now. So, so to hear those guys calling it at the level that they were, uh, I think that kind of helped me realize that, that preparation was the number one thing that you had to be good at if you wanted to be a good broadcaster. You had to dive into those stories. Um, and then the more you think about it, you, you watch the guys on TV in, in the NFL or the NBA, whatever the case is, they start talking about those human interest stories. Uh, Mike Emmerich's probably the the best guy at it. You know, another Hoosier State guy. Uh, he gets into the arenas and he talks to everybody. He asks everybody questions, uh, and that's how he has all those stories that he can throw in at any given time. Uh, and just to have that arsenal, I, I think that's that's what separates the greats from the guys that are that are just decent at what at what they do. Do you think some uh, SIDs or or maybe just anybody in the sport profession in general could benefit from doing play-by-play or color commentary? Absolutely. I, I think especially if, if you're in the trenches, so to speak, with your teams, you know those kids better than anybody else. Um, I, I remember my first year here in 2013-14, our men's basketball team uh, was, was on a special run. Uh, and since we didn't have football at the time, that was kind of that was kind of our premier sport. Uh, so I, I didn't let them out of my sight. I wanted to go to every single game, any chance that I could. I was traveling with them. Uh, so I got to know those guys. I got to know the coaches. So any time that we went on the road, I was able to talk to those broadcasters, not only go over pronunciations or anything, but here's what makes this guy unique. Here's what makes this guy unique. Uh, we've got Mitchell Wiggins on that team, uh, who at the time had two brothers playing in the NCAA tournament and a brother that was the number one pick in the NBA draft that year. Uh, so that was a big-time story. Um, we had an exhibition game against Florida State at the beginning of the year in which our point guard went off for 35 points. Uh, so that was kind of an interesting tidbit I was able to go in. So the more that you're around your athletes, A, your game notes get a lot easier, and B, 
I think uh, those stories come out a little bit more in the broadcast when you hit a little bit of a lull. You know, so-and-so is at the free throw line. By the way, he's coming off of a, a big game against so-and-so. Uh, those are things that you're able to work in because they're, they're right in the back of your mind. Uh, I, I should have asked you this earlier, but uh, when did you get bit by the play-by-play bug, that they call it? Uh, probably sometime in, in middle school or high school. Uh, I, and I, it, maybe even it goes back to, to watching those games with my grandpa and, and hearing John Madden and Pat Summer all talk. You know, maybe I don't, I don't have all the, the football technique and, and knowledge that John Madden does, but maybe I can set up a guy like that. So I think that's kind of when it started. Perfect. So, um, say an SID or maybe anybody, any well, anybody. I'm sure that there are a lot of different professionals listening to this. But uh, say that they want to get on the broadcast um, sometime in their life. Maybe they're a little bit worried or scared. So, what are some just basic things that that they should hammer down besides the preparation that they should that they should know or things that they should practice before going on air? And again, that's going to be the easy part if you're around a team almost 24-7, if you're writing recaps, if you're writing releases about the team, you know all the storylines. You know who's been player of the week, things like that. You know all the stats because nine out of ten times you're doing them, you're at least involved with them. As long as you can pinpoint the ball, uh, tell me each possession what's important, kind of tell the story a little bit. If you can say the time and the score, you're going to be just fine. Yeah, time and score is very important. I know, I listen to my guys. God, I'm telling you, Don, because I listen back to my friends who are still in the radio department, and sometimes yeah. I just bring up the tune-in app on my phone. I listen to them sometimes at the game. I'm like, you know, Ryan, Drew, I don't know what's going on, man. Where, where are we yeah. at in the game, so, so to speak? So, and, um, and that's kind of that's kind of the, the lesson that you, you give to guys. You know, there's, there's a 1% chance somebody's going to tune in right at 7 o'clock, and listen to every single word that you say. It right. just doesn't happen that way. I mean, think about any time you watch watch a pro game or a college game on your own. You're always in and out. It's kind of on in the background sometimes. Uh, you know, the classic example that I always give in in trying to tell people, you know, recap the game at certain points when you when you hit a lull or a timeout. You know, if you're just joining us, so and so is on a 12-0 run or whatever the case may be. I was out one time running errands with my parents and and we were listening to the Bears game and we go into the store and the Bears are down 14. We come out of the score out of the store, turn on the car, and all of a sudden the Bears are up seven. Well, how did that happen? We're in the store at 10 minutes, and, and I kept screaming at the radio, how are we up? How are we up? Say the damn it, score. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, or, or tell me how we got here. So I, I, that's always a story that I share with young broadcasters. I need to know how we got to this point because I maybe I ran t- – to the refrigerator. Maybe I ran an errand. I had to take the dog out. Whatever the case is, I need to know what I missed, and I don't want to wait. Yeah, yeah. And even sometimes I've heard that uh, some um, TV broadcast people, their uh, produ- producers. I'm sorry for the fumble. The producers may know that hey, we might have a new audience in right now. You guys should probably recap. So uh, that sure. just made just something to think about in the back of everybody's minds. But um, Donna, you and I kind of talked off air a little bit about interviews that we've had. Uh, you've had to interview some coaches, some players. I've had to interview coaches and players that it's just not working. It's just pretty, pretty, pretty god awful, so to speak. So, um, what are some things that SIDs can do that can kind of train or maybe prep their players, coaches, whatever, uh, to be a kind of a better interview? That's usually something that, that I try and talk to our athletes about. Uh, if they're going to be talking with one of the local reporters or whatever the case is, um, I'll pull them aside. If, if I know 24 hours in advance or even the day of, I'll try and talk to them and say, hey, a reporter wants to talk to you. These are the kind of questions that they're going to ask you. And usually the first thing I say is, have you done this before? You know, some, some of these guys were, were big-time high school athletes, so chances are there's been some features on them. Uh, or if they're coming from smaller towns, you know, those local papers have done things on them. So they've been there and done that. Or they've done the local radio show circuit, whatever the case may be. If they haven't, just try and make sure, look, don't give one-word answers. Do not answer with yes. Do not answer with no. Uh, don't say I don't know. Give good, complete sentences. Uh, give give a reporter something to work with. Um, 
because the more that you talk about, the more that they're going to be able to go on. You know, if, if you give a bunch of one word answers, you're not going to like the way that you're reflected in, in this interview, in this piece. Uh, so just trying to expand on your answers, uh, telling how you feel, you know, expect a lot of especially for, for some of the longer pieces, that was something that was always talked about in magazine writing. Always ask, how, do, how did this make you feel? Um, so I try and tell our athletes, uh, you know, some, a lot of the, the stories that get picked up are coming back from injuries. So when you got hurt, how did you feel? Um, how did this scenario make you feel? What did you do? How did you react to this? Uh, just try and give some additional questions. You know, while the reporter may only ask this, also try and tell them these three things, and it'll help both of you out. Uh, going back to a little bit of your experiences, um, you worked the NAI football at FCS. kind of throws me off because, you know, there's a Division One FCS. But anyway, uh, the national championship games for both football and men's soccer. Um, how did that experience kind of help you out a little bit? Did it feel good to get back into, into a little bit of the production side of things? Yeah, that was a lot of fun uh, with, with the FCS championship game being in Daytona Beach, which is an easy two-hour drive away, um, and just a love of football. Um, and, and to help out you know, Chad and Alan at the NAI office, that's an easy thing to jump at. Uh, you know, The first year, helping out their stats and graphics people, uh, watching the stats, uh, telling them things to get ready for, and then just working on stats last year, uh, participation, uh, watching storylines and records and things like that. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And plus, you get to watch high level football. Uh, and it also helps being a kid from the Hoosier State. You know, in 2015, uh, I'm watching Marion. In 2016, I'm watching St. Francis. Mm -hmm. uh, so the first thing you do is you go through the roster, check all the hometowns and the high schools. That's Did I happen I to see? Yeah, do, did I see any of these kids play? Did I broadcast any of them? Do I know any of them by roundabout ways? Uh, and then you get into the game, which is a high-level competition and a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and then the men's soccer tournament uh, was a blast. That was in the West Palm Beach area, you know, three hours away. Uh, and then Hastings, just the way that they were able to run the table in the regular season uh, was kind of neat to watch. Those semifinal matches uh, were just barn burners, where, where every single shot, the entire stadium's kind of hanging on it. Uh, so to see the games at that high level uh, and to kind of watch the interaction of the teams during the banquet, and the, the Final Four banquet, those four semifinal teams, just how they carried themselves during that week, uh, and then grinding through some of those days of, of eight matches a day or whatever the case may be was, was just kind of a professional challenge and a lot of fun. Uh, I want to ask you something a little bit here before we got to move on. Um, with As far as coverage of some of your teams, maybe a little media relations, uh, your football team is very young. Am I, I'm correct in saying that, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is our fourth season of competition. Yeah, and you guys are a very, very successful program, and I know that uh, West Florida is in their second, and they are also kind of in the uh, Division Two kind of chase yep. there. So uh, what has that kind of attention been like as far as just with the media and you're trying to facilitate everything? Were you expecting the team to be this good that quick? Um, I wasn't sure what to expect, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, obviously, you hear a lot about Florida high school football uh, and, the, and the kind of athletes that they have in Florida. So, and, and then being in Lakeland, where you've got a national power five minutes up the road in, in the dreadnoughts, uh, and just quality football to the west of you in Tampa, great football to the east of you in Orlando. Miami's got incredible teams year in and year out. That's only four hours away. Certainly, there's there's the elements there to put together a really good NAI team. I thought what was neat was my first year in 2013, before we started competing, we had a group of 112 guys that came in and just practiced for a year. Uh, and Chris, who I mentioned earlier, one of our graduate assistants, was part of that group. Uh, and I remember seeing Coach Bearfield in our sportsplex the day that they were going to have their first workout. He said, hey, uh, can you come over to Lake Bonnie Park? We're going to have our first practice. Get some pictures. You can talk to the guys, things like that. And being a month on the job or, or whatever the case is, you know, I, I knew there was still a lot that I needed to learn and, and how to handle certain things. But I go out to Lake Bonnie Park expecting to watch football practice. There were no footballs. There were no pads. There was a lot of running. 
they were doing agility drills. They were doing planking. Uh, they had kegs full of water that guys were squatting. Uh, for lack of a better term, it was torture. Uh, there are 11 guys that were part of that group that are still on the roster, and, and they're key players on this team that's ranked ninth in the NAI, that's going to be playing in the football championship series for the second time, uh, and they're key players. Uh, and so for for those guys to have been a part of that uh, and to, to establish the culture in 2014 when we started competing, in 2015 when we won a conference championship, last year when we made the playoffs for the first time, uh, it's been really special to see um, because those are also – the last handful of guys that were on campus my first year when the stadium that we play in was a soccer pitch. So when they bought into the whole Southeastern football thing, there was no football field. Uh, there were no footballs. There were no goalposts. There was no tradition. They bought into the idea of establishing a program and establishing a tradition. So for, for them in their fifth years, uh, all to be in key positions and to have a chance uh, to play in the playoffs once again is really neat. Uh, one more question. I, I, I enjoy asking this question just because people seem to have kind of a different answer every time I ask it. But Florida, you just mentioned you kind of had a – it's a football powerhouse. And it's also – I mean, you could argue with some basketball players come out of there. I mean – uh, baseball is pretty big. Um, so what's it like trying to just get the media's attention or maybe trying to market Southeastern athletics to the media and trying to get people to come to fire games? My first year, it, it actually wasn't that hard to draw some additional media attention. The local paper, the ledger had actually started uh, a college sports website, uh, you know, because right here in our county, in Polk County, you have Southeastern, and then also at the NAI level, you have Warner and Weber right down the road. Uh, you have Polk State, uh, a junior college that's right here in Lakeland area, and then you've got Florida Southern, which is an NCAA two team uh, across uh, Highway 98 from us. So there's a big college sports town right here where we are. So they put together a website um, and had a couple of guys that were doing nothing but college sports. So really, I just started feeding content to them constantly, uh, and it wasn't hard to pitch feature stories over there. Uh, so really, I was, I was really kind of lucky in that aspect. But unfortunately, as the way things go in newspapers, changes have happened over the last couple of years uh, to where their, their full-time college people are also involved in community events are also involved in the fishing beat are also involved in the high school beat so while it was a lot easier to pitch volleyball stories and pitch some of the other stories that we had now it's more about okay we'll cover the football game and if you guys get in the playoffs in the other sports but it's just kind of knowing and, and having that relationship uh that i've developed with a couple of the writers over the last four plus years that when I tell them that we've got a, a feature-worthy story, uh, that it usually gets done. Uh, or, or just trying to say, you know, we've got, we've got women's soccer playing in the tournament this weekend. Here's an, here's an idea for your, your tournament preview. Uh, usually those are the stories that tend to get done. So instead of going from the, from the, the quail hunting uh, method of just trying to get as much out as possible and trying to go as many different angles and trying to push as much content as possible now it's more more deer hunting you're looking for one thing rather than a million things uh if i've got one good story i make sure to push that one good story perfect that's a, a valuable lesson for everybody out there so uh donnie i'd like to transition this part of the interview where i like to ask some fun questions and the first question i have for you is a favorite memory in your professional tenure wow um as an SID, I think I've got to go back to that 2013-14 that men's basketball season. Uh, they made the national tournament for the first time. They go to College of the Ozarks. They come from behind to beat Huntington University. In the second round, they're playing the defending national champions and the number one seed in Cardinal Stritch. Uh, we're down with three seconds to go, and our, our senior point guard, uh, who redshirted the year before, uh, to focus on his academics and to make sure that he graduated in his final year of eligibility, drives down the floor, pulls up from the left wing, knocks down a three-pointer at the buzzer and sends us on to the, to the Elite Eight and then on to the Final Four. Uh, so just, just that run uh, and to see the way that our campus rallied around that group um, was, was just a, a really special memory for me. What about uh, on the other side of the coin? What's your biggest horror story? 
Uh, we're going to go back to volleyball stats. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I love volleyball and, and that's kind of something that we take pride in now, uh, is, is our volleyball stats. But that first time it, thankfully, thankfully it was a, it was a scrimmage against a junior college, but I got to the computer. Um, first of all, game programs weren't printing. So I'm running around town trying to get those. I pull up the laptop five minutes before the start of the match. I thought I had everything set up beforehand. Uh, I was still trying to figure out what exactly a virtual machine was from, from stat crew. So I pull it up and I got nothing. And I'm like, all right, so this girl's serving. Well, how do I, how do I put in the serve? I, I worked through this in my office and all of a sudden, you know, just just as always, the best laid plans never come to fruition. Uh-huh. That was 100% my first volleyball match. Is I, I got nothing. So I come back into the office the next day. Uh, at the time, I'm sharing an office with the cross-country coach, Jeff, and then our tennis coach. And it's like, hey, uh, how did volleyball do last night? I'm like, I honestly do not know. I know it went five sets. I can't tell you any of the scores. My stats are a mess, and I'd just rather not talk about it. Yeah, that's uh, volleyball seems to be the uh, popular uh, horror story thing on this show. But um, one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession: uh, do everything that's asked of you, and do it at the highest level you can. Uh, don't worry about what you're doing uh, because you never know who you're working with and for. It, it goes to the whole networking thing. You know, the, the, you can either go out and do the the speed networking thing. You can get to meet people. Or you can just get to work, have those genuine relationships, and you never know how it's how it's going to matriculate in the future. I think it's a lot easier if you know someone professionally and have worked with them. You know, should that professional opportunity come up to go back to them, rather than hey, remember that one time we spent five minutes together at that one convention during one of the one of the the team parties or whatever. Uh-huh. I, th- I think that's a little tougher to where. Yeah, again, you never know who you're working with. You never know who you're working for. You never know who that co-intern, where they're going to end up working. You never know where your boss is going to end up at. You never know when that company is going to have an opportunity for you to step into a full-time role or whatever the case may be. Uh, so just, just do everything at the highest level that you can and, and be a lifelong learner. Always be a student of the game. Uh, you know, Being from Indiana, you might be able to appreciate this a little bit more, but Indy 500 time, Al Unser Jr. would always talk about every time I come to Indianapolis, I learn something new. Well, this is a guy that's won two Indy 500s, has been in countless other ones, and every time he goes around that two-and-a-half-mile oval that never changes, he learns something new. So how in a world of everything always changing constantly can you not want to learn something new every day? Perfect. Um, one thing you're interested in, speaking of something new that you want to learn, uh, one thing that you're interested in to learn more about in this profession. So I, I've kind of kind of thought about this a little bit, knowing that this question was coming. I've got kind of a weird answer. Okay. I, ca- I kind of want to know, almost as if I can see the future, can, can I be ahead of something? And I think a lot of times at the small school level, you try and emulate what you're seeing other people do you know you you follow clemson on clemson football and instagram and and you try and take whatever you can from from that operation and they do some incredible things but maybe that's there's things that they do you can use but but at the end of the day how much can you put in if there's ever a way where where we can kind of see the future and be on the cutting edge of something or do something ahead of the curve that's what i would want to know and see if we can get on it ahead of other people Maybe that's a little bit of an arrogant answer. Maybe it's a weird answer, but that's just kind of what stands out to me. Uh, these past couple ones have been pretty interesting answers to that. That's definitely one that sticks out to me. So um, when you look around the conference country, you know what I'm about to ask. Maybe some people even look at you, Mr. SID of the Year. But um, what – and you look at them and you say that is a good SID. Uh, what are some things that they do, maybe some characteristics that they have that make you say that? I think you start with professionalism. You know, they're on top of things. They're organized. Um, you know, you can look at my desk and, and question if I belong in that group or not when, when you go to the organization <laughs> factor. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think those are the two things. They care. Uh, they work hard. Uh, but I don't, I don't think they overwork. They don't brag about how much they work. They just get the job done, and they do it to the best of their abilities. Uh, next time someone's in Lakeland, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? 
Uh, I love food, so I'm, I'm just going to hit all of Central Florida for you, okay. uh, especially since Coastside is coming back here in two years. So if you're coming to Lakeland exactly, um, I like burgers. So just down the road from campus, we've got a place called SNL, cash only, so be prepared. Uh, but just a fantastic burger and fry place. Uh, if you go over to Lakeside Village, there's a place called Burger 21, a little more high-end burgers, a little more uh, gourmet kind of things. That's what you can do. So next, in two years, when you come back to Cosida and everybody goes to, to Disney Springs or downtown Disney for you non-natives, uh, Bongo's, the Cuban restaurant, top-notch. Or they've also just renovated the Planet Hollywood. They've reopened that. It's phenomenal. It's three stories now inside the observatory. Uh, Guy Fieri redid the burger menu, so I'm coming back to that, and they're top-notch. So, But if you go over to Tampa, if you're going to head to the west side of the state, uh, my favorite place is actually in the suburbs called Brandon. It's called Black Rocks. If you order a steak, they bring it to you on this piece of volcanic rock that they Ooh. heat up to 755 degrees. So they throw your steak right on there, 100% raw, and you cook it right in front of you, like a bite at a time. So if you if you like your steak, a good medium, medium rare, you just throw your bite on there for 15 seconds, take it right off the stone and eat it. It's a really unique experience that I love. Uh, how about a work-life balance? What do you do to have fun? You're asking the wrong guy. Uh, but, you know, I, he I heard a pastor say one time, if you preach from your weaknesses, you'll never run out of material. Uh, my work-life balance is, is still a work in progress. Okay. Um, but one thing that I took away from, from the convention in Dallas a couple years ago uh, was Sam Atkinson at Gallaudet saying uh, he's got a 12-hour rule. You know, if, if I'm in the office until 11, I'm not going to be in the office until 11 the next morning. Uh, so working until 11 and being in at 6 a.m., 7 a.m. the next morning uh, is kind of goofy. Uh, and then it, it kind of came in once again you know, with the Amazon series that they've done on the Rams. And, and then now or they did the Cardinals before that. And also just watch the, the football life on Bruce Arians. He's a firm believer in get your work done and go home. Um, it's football is not a difficult game. There's no reason to be there till midnight. What are you What are you doing being in the office all night? Uh, and it, it kind of relates to our line of work. You know, what's what are you gaining by being in the office for a 13 hour day? What are you gaining by spending those 13 hours away from your from your family and loved ones? Uh, so that's kind of the area that I've been focused on uh, because really work is fun to me. Uh, you know, Blake kind of talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's it's not really a job to me. I, I go to work. I have fun because I'm around sports. I'm around athletes. Uh, I'm around my coworkers who are a blast to be around. Uh, and then I also like going to games on the side. You know, we'll go to a Tampa Bay Lightning game. We'll go to an NFL game, whatever the case may be. Uh, and if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, maybe want to follow up with you after this, uh, what would be the best way to do it? Uh, you can contact us through our website, seufire.com, my email, phone, all that kind of stuff's on there. Twitter is at Donnie Smith, S-I-D. That's D-O-N-N-I-E, Smith, S-I-D. Perfect. Thank you, Donnie, for coming on. No problem. Appreciate you having me. No problem. And uh, thank you all for whoever has downloaded, subscribed, rating, and reviewing. Uh, pretty important if you haven't done that yet. What are you doing? Greatly appreciated. Uh, it just takes a couple seconds just to give me a one or a five. It's all up to you. I'm not going to hold it against you. If Maybe. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. But um, if you guys want to follow us on social media, you can do that at Sports Infocast. That's over on uh, Twitter and Facebook. And uh, sign up for our newsletter. You can do that at sidcast.fireside.com.fm, not .com, slash newsletter. And uh, you can sign up there, and that way uh, I'm telling you guys, uh, these these people, these select few individuals are getting these news first, and they're probably going to get some promo stuff first in the future. And if you want to you be on the cutting edge of that, 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 would, that would be it. They're going to get deals first. So um, uh, next week, guys, I have a very, very special guest, Lainey Wetzel from uh, Tennessee Tech. And then after that, I know a guy, a specific guy, who just got named a Hall of Famer in uh, Southern California. And uh, if you know, if you've been paying attention to the Coastal website in the past month or so, you've probably seen that feature story on him, and uh, he will be coming on then. So uh, thank you all for listening, and hope to catch you all in the next episode.